Coast DNA. Today's guest, Chris Kirby, is a name that has actually a couple times recently popped up. So I'm going to have to get Chris to go back and listen to the last few episodes. Oh, actually. go on. Really? And uh, I also heard your name on something very recently that I'll get into that uh, may be a news thing that you didn't announce on your end yet. Okay. Uh, but yeah, welcome, Chris. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And to kind of start off, um, I usually uh, will drop a couple little intro things and get the artist to kind of take it away from there. Okay. When I reviewed your bios and in researching, and as I mentioned, your name's come up a few times for me recently, uh, it's very name droppy, which is <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a great problem to have. Yeah, but uh, like Keith Mullins is familiar to a lot of people from this podcast, and I, I know he uh, played drums for you. Um, Keith has played on, yeah, Keith's played on some stuff for me uh, on a few projects. And you've you've played uh, you play keyboards for people like you are a backup musician, you're a studio right. musician. Yeah, you have your solo career, which we're gonna probably talk about the most here on this episode. And the reason I say probably is you're also quite the well-respected producer out there as well. Producing is probably where I focused most of my energy uh, the last few years, for sure. Um, yeah. Which is probably why you're, you're hearing my name uh, in a name-droppy sense. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> which is, you know, that was... You know, I, I don't do it for the name droppiness of it. Of course, I do it to make a living, but <laughs> but it's uh, it's really nice to know that uh, that word gets around. Well, and I know I've not had the truths on this. Uh, they were long gone to Ontario by the time I started doing any of this. But uh, if any of those guys happen to stumble across this, you're welcome to come on sometime. But I did see a quote. Um, there, I'm going to actually read the actual quote. I left it up <laughs> just so I didn't mess it up. He's the East Coast music scene's secret weapon, Colin uh, McDonald, the troops. Yeah. Colin gave me that quote and I put it on my website. <laughs> oh no, I, I I love it. It's I'm it's actually super... writing I'm actually writing with Colin after this uh interview. <laughs> oh sweet. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so let's dive into the the whole thing. Now, if we go back a piece, I mean you're not that old yourself in the first place. So you can only go back so far right um i know as far as your discography uh you had your first album out 2009 uh my first album my first album ever um with my old band with my uh, my me and my brother and a high school buddy that was 2003 so that's when i really started and were um, they called the marquee at the time oh no, no that was, no, was uh, a different band that was a band called park p-a-r-c we thought we were we thought we were brilliant and we spelled crap backwards yeah yeah uh anyway yeah so but the chris kirby the first chris kirby and the marquee project was 2006 that that album is not available anywhere anymore uh -huh. so the first one that you would have found is the 2009 vampire hotel 
is the 2006 one in physical media somewhere float there's, kind of thing? there's some floating around for sure i think i still have maybe th two or three copies but i'm not going to press anymore i mean i couldn't i couldn't find the files for that artwork if i wanted to and yeah just after so much time you know perhaps i got to get out of my own head with this stuff but after so long you look back on certain projects and it's like that that doesn't even represent me anymore like i don't play any of these songs i don't sound like that i'm so much better and smarter as a writer and everything you know that was my first thing and it got me lots of stuff and it did lots of great things but like it's you know i i, I prefer people see me as starting for real on the album after that it does seem to be it's not a trend but it does seem to be the way that things are going as far as people curating their own digital discography now that everything's available to stream yeah it was different back like i mean i, I grew up primarily through the 90s as far as getting into music and collecting things and like to get 45 with a rare b-side or a cd single that had an extra demo or a live song or something like that those are always cool things to have but now that everything's available and you can just search the artist name bring up the entire catalog there are a lot of people that are kind of clipping out some of their early yeah. days yeah say, I mean, okay, I, this is where i started this year and I, I think the big like from my perspective you know i've i've been an indie artist my whole career so i've always had this feeling of like i'm just getting going I've, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm looking for new fans so like old fans will sure they'll listen to the first album and they'll understand that that was me when i started but new fans won't get that so sure. i i have a, this sense of like if someone's listening to me for the first time i only want them to hear the stuff that i would put on myself <laughs> so and now you started off in newfoundland like you're born exactly. and raised in newfoundland yep and uh, so what brought you was it doing the solo stuff and looking for gigs that brought you over into nova scotia or is it the producing and being in essentially a musical hub i mean newfoundland has its place for sure and i definitely got to pay more attention to what's going on over there in the new year i've been saying that for a couple episodes as well yeah, but Halifax definitely does have a central location for people coming in with, of course, yeah. flights or by sea, or like there's every way you can get in there. Of course, and Halifax has been that for me for sure. Um, I mean, we're not we're not in Halifax; we're in East, East Lawrence Town, so okay, we're a little bit, you know, we're still we still get fog, so some days it still feels like we're in St. John's. Yeah, um, but um. I was I had been working a lot in Halifax anyway, because um, from I want to say 2012, I've been producing records here, uh, so flying in to do them. And in fact, everybody at home, like I was, you know, so busy either on the road or making records or whatever, I would go into like Fred's Records in St. John's, and they would ask me like, "Oh, how long are you home for?" I live here. What are you talking about? <laughs> so they thought I moved anyway. Yeah. Um, but, uh, what, like I had just left my job as a, I, I was working as a software engineer actually when I like 2006, believe it or not, the day before I released my first album, I convocated from Mun engineering. So, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, um, electrical engineer by education. 
Um, and I left that in 2016 to play with Matt Anderson. And I was, I was touring with Matt and, um, and in 2017, my wife got an offer to come, uh, work at DIO in Dartmouth, uh, cause she's a lobster biologist Okay, and it was perfect timing. Cause I had left my job. I was ready to go anywhere and she got this opportunity. So we just, we did it. And like, I don't know if I'm more busy uh, because I'm here or not, because like I said, I was coming here anyway, mm-hmm. but it feels like I haven't stopped since we landed. And, and you talk about the music scene in Newfoundland and, and needing to dig into it more. I think the coolest part of the whole, of this whole thing was people saw me going to Halifax as sort of their uh, pathway to, uh, to new networks. So mm-hmm. like one example is, uh, quote the raven a band that i've been working with for a long time now and i've sort of you know i've been producing them but also helping con- in the early days helping connect them to some some different people and now they're like just now they're helping connect me to people because they've just moved and shook so much uh so and there's other there's other examples of that too but quote the raven's definitely the definitely the um i guess the gold standard example i tell i tell everybody to study what quote the raven has done and is doing yeah no they're they were actually yeah they were the first of our little holiday series of episodes here so right uh, yeah. Awesome. yeah that's definitely one of the places where your name popped up in that interview as well yeah but we've been friends a long time and we've been um co you know collaborators i i guess is the best word a long time because you know, I produce the records, sure, but when we make things, it's always a collaborative process. And as far as your solo career in parallel to producing, <laughs> the next couple albums, like you had a somewhat regular release schedule as far as what albums were doing at the time, but then you had yeah. a large gap. And that the large gap is the big break that everyone had. Yeah. Right. And you were producing a lot of people that were doing well at the same time so um what was the inspiration to pull you back like i can see how you would organically get away from it a little bit and always still kind of have that itch that you want to scratch but was there anything specifically that brought you back into recording your own material again yeah i i don't really know um i mean and uh you may be surprised to know that my break wasn't the big break. Um, yeah. I released my my record after a seven-year hiatus in 2019, just before. The oh, break. Yeah. And then I was forced on another break. So it was kind of kind of frustrating because I had this like comeback thing and I didn't mm-hmm. you know. I had it took me a long time to reestablish some contacts and the summer of 2020 was gonna be my big year to hit all the festivals and stuff. Mm-hmm. I had everything booked. And they all got turfed, of course. And some of them rebooked me. Some of them couldn't. So um, I wasn't able to, like, really come back. Mm-hmm. Um, to, ans- to answer the question of why, I guess it's, it's just we can't, we can't ever turn it off, you know. And at some point, you just got to, at some point, you just got to do it. Um, so, like, I, I always, I, ha- I was always saying, like, I'm not going to do another record. Like, I'm a producer now. 
and I'm a writer now and I'm making my living doing music. And as an artist, especially if I'm going to come back, I'm going to be starting again. I'm going to be like going in the hole again, you know, and I've like, I'm 40 years old. I, uh, you know, I don't have kids, but I got a wife, I got two mortgages to take care of. I got, you know, I got uh, way more responsibilities um, financially than I did when I was starting out. So I can't just dump all my money into, into, you know, a, a record and going on the road, which is, it's still like, no matter how you look at how you carve your career out, you got to invest um, everything you got. Uh, mm -hmm. If if you're going to, you know, everything that you have to give, you have to give it. Um, if you want to, if you want to break out. Um, so, I've sort of taken a different approach to my stuff. Like I am going to, I am going to be, um, be releasing more material, but it's more going to be for the purpose of showcasing like what I've got as a writer, what I've got as a producer. And, um, you know, I'll do gigs for sure, but the primary focus is to tell the world, like, this is, this is the kind of musical personality that I am. And, you know, I can play all this, all this stuff I can sing, I can write, I can, I can produce, I can help you get your musical ideas out there. Um, and that's, that's worked very well for me. Um, you know, that, that's how I became a producer in the first place. I, it's funny, I was talking to him just before this call. I was, um, I had made my record, I produced my record, uh, Wonderizer and, and I was on tour with Charlie Acourt and he asked me to produce his album because he liked, um, I was kind of showing him my album before it was, before it was coming out, just mm -hmm. like asking him his thoughts or whatever. And he really liked it so much that he asked me to produce his. So suddenly I was a producer and my records were my business card. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so here I am. That's, that's what I'm doing. That was one of my questions. Actually, was Charlie the first one that you produced? Charlie was my first, like really visible one i had produced some others in in saint john's when i was you know like uh i know they were very happy with the records but i have learned so much since working with them that i don't think i would like i'd like to, i'd like to do some of those over if i could so i don't really sure, put yeah. in my, in, on my resume you know um you know at the time we, we were thrilled with with those but the first one that i did for somebody else that was really visible and it and it won a couple of ecmas was charlie acourt's record in 2012 and uh b before that of course my my record which came out the same year <laughs> and then charlie beat me so no, that's <laughs> <laughs> well i guess you kind of stack the odds in your favor that way too right yeah. like you could do that put your own and then produce everyone else's that's in the same category so yeah and i've also learned you know that when you get to when you get to work with all these amazing people you learn your own sort of um, shortcomings, right? So I like, I'm, I've become a different kind of artist because I, you know, in the early days, I thought I was going to be like Newfoundland's like Prince or something. And like, I can't sing like that. I can't dance. So like, I'm not going to be that kind of performer. So, um, so, you know, I, anything that I write that goes into sort of like the more poppy thing, I, I save those ideas for 
uh, artists that I'm working with that are doing that, you know, and they do well yeah. with it, right? So, and whereas I wouldn't because I just don't, like I've got a different type of stage presence even. So, um, so I'm kind of switching gears as a performer and going a bit more sort of roots and not quite folk, but, you know, I'm, I'm sitting more into that sort of um, uh, root songwriter uh, world. Whereas before I was trying to be some kind of, you know, funk thing, right? Yeah, so, that's, I was kind of curious about that too. That sound that you're describing there is the influence, like you do a lot of co-writes besides producing. Big time. So I, from going through the catalog and I, I knew a lot of those songs anyway, so it wasn't, didn't take me as long as it would seem. But <laughs> I I kind of got a sense for like a Chris Kirby sound on a song a oh, little wow. bit. Oh yeah. But when I went back to listen to your older material and compare it with your newer singles, you've done it to your own music. And yeah. I'm curious, like if you were to take your first album, the, like the 2009 album, yeah. If you were to take that and then put that Chris Kirby sound of 2023 on it, you would have the sound that you now have on your new material. So is that influence just something that you've developed over time or are these people that you're co-writing with and performing with, are their influences seeping back into you at the same time that you're oh, writing? Well, them? Yeah, I would say there's a little bit of both going on. Um, I mean, I love music. I love all kinds of music. So I can't help but have have what I've listened to, what I've even stuff that I've not tried to be influenced by seeping in, you know. Mm -hmm. Any any Newfoundland songwriter, whether they've listened to Ron Hines or not, is influenced by Ron Hines. You know? So where part of it's where I come from. I can't help but have the storyteller in me. Uh, mm -hmm. because that's how I learned how to write songs because everybody around me was, that's how we did it. So, um, so, so that's part of, you know, so trying to reconcile the storyteller thing with trying to make like funky, groovy music, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, kind of puts you in this strange middle, I don't know, strange gray area, which is wonderful because you could go anywhere from that. You know, you could make, a folk song that has a new Orleans groove to it, you know, yeah. like, you know, and, and the possibilities are endless. That's kind of what I, when I started out, that's what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to do exactly that. And vampire hotel was that it was a bunch of stories with as best we could, some new Orleans funk R and B influenced um, stuff on it. Um, and that's, that's what I tried to do. And then, from there, I tried to go a little bit more, I don't know. I don't even know what you'd call it. I mean, uh, all I know is when Wolfpack came out, I was like, that's, that's it. I've missed it. That's the thing that I wanted to do. There it is. And, but then I looked at him. I'm like, I'm not those guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I have to, you know, lean into something else that I've got going on because that's, I can't do that. <laughs> and you had mentioned your wife already mm -hmm. but uh victoria house that's right so the musician as well 
she well um she is a um she wouldn't she would never call herself a musician but she is and she i've run uh, into a couple of those people in my yeah. networking i'm like oh you're blah 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 no i'm not a musician i'm like but i've seen you before <laughs> yeah so she um uh she has played piano her whole life she's like she has played guitar for years and years and years um and uh she's you know she's just not a pro musician but she's she's a songwriter as well and we've co-written um many songs that we've co-written have been released so uh so she's a she, she may not call herself a musician but she better call herself a songwriter sure sure <laughs> that's a fair distinction i suppose yeah and the song the closer to you again is that uh personal anecdote built in there yes absolutely uh absolutely so uh close to you again is um well that was our you know uh the big break song you know the the, the big covid song um we like most couples just found ourselves sitting around the house um getting you know getting bored and getting um getting tired of each other yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we were like victoria said we gotta like we have to do something um fun <laughs> because we're just sitting around staring at each other this is ridiculous um so we uh yeah we wrote we wrote the song about we you know we took what we took our our own feelings about the whole situation about wanting to see uh certain people again like victoria has a lot of family uh around in nova scotia we are both from from newfoundland but her family moved to nova scotia when she was in university so so a lot of her uh family is here and she couldn't see him so mm -hmm. Um, so we started with that and then we kind of turned it into like, maybe this could be, you know, we, we just, you know, started painting a little bit more of a story that could, that could be, um, that could fit with a relationship story about, you know, someone like we didn't want it to be tied to the pandemic. So it's just something that like people maybe leaving something unsaid or undone and something happened that could be anything that separates those people you know, be it someone move away for work, whatever, or pandemic. Uh, and then there'd just be this regret um, that, you know, uh, that you don't have the opportunity to finish or fix something. And that's, that's how that song came about. And, you know, it started from a true story, but, mm -hmm. you know, they say, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah, no, I think you nailed it too, because I, I know the timing of it. And I know a little bit of the history and I still didn't relate it as a COVID song. Like, well, I mean, the worst thing we could do was, was, was have it be a COVID song. Cause once, I mean, COVID wasn't even, we're still, it's still not over, but like, right. the hard times of the pandemic weren't even over and people were still sick of hearing about it. Yeah. So yeah, we didn't want, we didn't want um, the song to, you know, to you don't want to be triggering <laughs> when it pops up on yeah, the radio. Exactly, because I mean, um, it was just it's it's a sweet song. I'm really proud of it. I play it pretty much every show, and when Victoria's around, she usually gets up and sings it with me. Awesome. Um, so it did exactly what we needed it to. 
which was just be just a sweet little love song that was a sign of the times but you know covid did did this for a lot of us and as songwriters we talk about this a lot covid really opened our eyes to like just how the world works in general mm -hmm. you know so all these like these are not new problems they're just exacerbated problems exactly so and now you mentioned that uh performing live mm -hmm. so i am curious to where you've spent a lot of time on the production end and i mentioned where i can kind of hear a chris kirby sound that's developed over time it's definitely a production sound that i'm referring to right. so i'm not somebody that works on that end so i 100 percent appreciate all the little nuances that go into crafting a sound like that but i also realize it's very hard to translate some of that to a live performance I've seen some people that are excellent at producing a really great song. And when they perform it live, it's not that the song is not good now. It's just that it does not sound the way it does when they have time to tweak everything a little bit. Yeah. So how do you find translating that? And how much live performing do you do these days? Well, I don't, um, I'll start with the easy question the easy part i don't do a lot of live performing uh i am about to to do the um i'm doing the megan smith christmas shows and the matt anderson christmas tour and i'm they're um they're letting me both are letting me sing one of my songs in that show so mm -hmm. there's there's that that's probably the most that i will have done in, in a while um and i'm looking at i'm looking at doing more as i look at maybe doing another uh project recording project i'll look to do some more stuff to support that um but you know that's just uh that, that changes you know i'll i'll want to oh, yeah. do a full tour and then i'll never want to get on a stage again uh but like you, just, you can't turn it off you just and not that i'd never want to go on stage again it's just that i i would feel like it's more realistic to be the behind the scenes guy um sure. But, uh, but I love it. I love, I, I love performing. I love what I get from an audience. And part of that is leading into the other part of your question. Um, the fact that it is different. I love mm -hmm. it. I, I don't like, I know some people want to go to a concert and see the record, but I'm not like that at all. In fact, I, I feel like, um, like music is all about moments, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're just if if you're going to a concert and you're seeing the record, then why didn't you just put the record on it, right? Absolutely. I I just complimented a band on that, but I was like, wow, like that. I knew the songs, but they didn't sound the same at all. Yeah. They had completely different instrumentation and everything. So like, and it, there's it's a place a, for it. Yeah, there's definitely a place for it, and um, you know some sometimes you do want to hear the like particular things and arrangements of course but like a record is going to like live for like that you're not going to be able to change that moment right mm -hmm. and, and people are going to relive it so you know you get you get this luxury of making it as perfect as you can without ruining it because if you strive for perfection you'll, you will no doubt kill the soul of it at some point but um 
but concerts are meant to be unique moments where like if you saw an artist the next night you would have a different experience this is why people keep coming back to see artists again and again because they know that it's going to they're going to get something new and they're going to get mm -hmm. some new moment that they hold on to from that so um so that's what i that's what i love about it it's it is the live show is is its own thing and it, it, it that is the essence of music and entertainment right like that's the thing people go to shows not to listen they go to shows to watch so something is you know is going to happen uh it's going to happen there to create a memory and if it sounds excellent and there's some visual thing that they remember then that's it that's that's the entertainer's job right yeah um and then so that those are the two businesses like people say like when people say they're in the music business what the music business i'm in the music business i make recordings for for people performers on stage they're in the entertainment business yes you know um that's a that that's a bit of a simplification of course but that's how i see it so they're two different worlds mm -hmm. yeah no i i actually I, I won't get into the nuances of the conversation but I, I, a couple local artists have had similar conversations with me because they were aware of the style that they perform with versus some of the stuff i'm exposed to when i'm on the road oh yeah and so that that definitely comes up about uh the the difference there between an entertainer and a musician and a lot of them are both but there there is those are two different hats to wear well there's there's also there's a reason why i mean if you go to if you go to nashville they'll tell you that um the, usually the touring musicians aren't the studio don't go in the studio and mm -hmm. like yeah yeah the goal is for all for a lot of I mean, maybe it's different now. I don't know. But the goal was to get to be a studio musician because then you could work every day at music and and never leave home. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, when I first heard it, they said like the A-listers are in the studio and the B-listers are kind of split their time and the C-listers are the ones on the road. So like as good as you think that band is at the show, wait till you'll hear the guys at the studio play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. And I'm sure that it's evolving and changing with all the digital stuff. And I mean, you get you get add in whole social media and graphic design careers, your third hat nowadays. So yeah, well, and and I, I am one of those people that, that wear wear that extra hat too. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I still do some software work for music production, um, for music production, uh, software mm -hmm. and i well and victoria and i run a, a songwriting camp that um we're doing one in january um and it's going to be a well it was a songwriting camp that was for artists that i will be working with in the studio mm -hmm. but we've just incorporated an educational aspect and we're gonna we're trying to make it this is our like uh, benchmark one, I would say, and we're trying to make it uh, a camp that travels all through all four Atlantic provinces. Similar, oh, cool! Similar to ECMA's rotation. Um, like I said, this is our first one, so 
you know, we have a lot of learning to do, mm -hmm. um, but, um, uh, uh, yeah. You're starting in New Brunswick. You're, you're in Nova Scotia now you're based yeah. in Nova Scotia and you're from Newfoundland. That's right. And you're the first of the camps is in New Brunswick. Yeah. So we're starting New Brunswick because, uh, we partnered with, um, we partnered with a non-for-profit, uh, company that works with youth, um, in the arts and technology Awesome. Uh, and and they're so they're in New Brunswick and they had a connection to well the, the the person that we're working with specifically he's got a connection to St Andrews so we found a venue and we got all of our people interested in it and um yeah we're going there for a week and we're gonna give a public master class we're gonna give a little songwriter circle show uh and then behind the scenes we're gonna be working all day for four days or five days um and getting some content for a couple of artists and teaching these kids who want to be songwriters but not artists they want to so we're so our spin on it is that we're teaching the craft and the business of songwriting um and you know to like sort of to train the next you know the people who will be people like me who are mostly behind the scenes mm -hmm. so which which is which is lovely it's a great feeling to know that people are interested in that and when they hear that like you can be a songwriter and you don't need to go on stage yeah yeah because like you say those are two different things like yeah. yeah yeah so so i've sort of like i've sort of we have sort of fell fallen into this like uh educational role as well which which i love uh it's I'm nervous about it because, you know, I used to teach music lessons to get myself through university, but mm -hmm. that's, that's, you know, that was a long time ago. So, um, this will be, this will be a learning experience for me as well, because, you know, it'll be my first time working with youth. I mean, they're, they're like 18 years old, so they're not children, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. And is that something that's like, how do people get involved if they want to participate in that and yeah if anybody's interested in getting so uh, they're called funk island labs songwriting camps for one thing funk island labs is where i am right now this is well, okay funk, nice funk setup island, funk island lab i should say it's it's a singular because there's <laughs> only one lab um but uh that that's the name of the songwriting camp and funk island lab is on instagram but of course my website has my email and all that stuff on it uh, and I've already had a bunch of people email me about getting involved in future camps. Um, Excellent. And they're, and I'll tell, I'll tell anybody interested what I've told people in the past, you get in touch with me. We have a conversation, you go on the list and then, you know, next time we're, next time we're looking at who's, um, who's good for the camp, you might get picked because we, you know, depending on who's there, like yeah. depending on who the artists are or where we're going or whatever, um you know you might be you might be perfect for for that particular camp awesome outside of the camp what else do you have coming up you mentioned a christmas project right. yeah so the christmas project last week i got um a, a message from my publisher saying that we've like there was a song that i um that i had written on spec for a pitch last year it was for a christmas movie last year um and i literally they didn't have um this type of thing so 
I tried to write it. I literally wrote it in an hour in my pajamas, uh, sent it in. They liked it. So then I did a, you know, a, a cleaner version of it. Still just a very basic, like me solo with my guitar. Um, but it made it into that little this scene in this movie. But then this year I heard that it got like a really good placement in a, in a Hallmark movie. Um, but it's uh, like, it's actually like a vocal feature. So it's not background where there's dialogue over it. It's going to be over this scene and you'll hear me singing. So I thought, geez, I better, I better release this song because um, you know, if people listen to it and they like it, they're going to Shazam it or what, you know, whatever mm -hmm. they're looking for it. So, um, yeah, so I scramble. I don't know when it's even going to be out somewhere between December 1st and, and the week after that is what is what I is what the app told me when I plugged it in. So yeah. We'll What's the title of that song? Uh, the title of the song is uh, In the Magic with You. So, yeah, uh, it's it's not super it like not super obviously Christmas uh, with the exception of a few uh, of a few like holiday lyrics <laughs> so it's uh it's strange i don't even know how to talk about it because i forgot about the song and oh, yeah. it's very outside of what i normally do uh so i was like do i even should i release this under a different name like should i have another like a side project where i do christmas music i don't know anyway <laughs> we'll see, I, I, may, I, I may do that <laughs> from having a recent string of christmas themed episodes i've i i'm fairly confident that the artists that are out there doing christmas music that their christmas music does not sound like what they do uh, the <laughs> other 11 months of the year or whatever so i, I think you're you're following suit as far as what the others are doing out well, there. maybe your uh, maybe your viewers and listeners will check it out and let me know if it if i if i should keep it attached to my name or not <laughs> there you go and I do want to do a quick little mention. <clears throat> As I said, your name came up a few times. I believe Dee Dee Austin dropped your name in an interview yeah. recently. Yeah. So you so, have stuff coming? Uh, no, that's out. Um, okay. So Dee Dee, well, Dee Dee just released an EP. Yeah. She worked with a different producer. She worked with Corey LaRue for the EP, but um, she, in, she included in the EP, she included the single that we worked on together um we co-wrote and i i produced it that song is called natural born original mm -hmm. we've got some other songs that we wrote as well that i think we'll work on releasing in the coming year but i i was really busy with and i was on the road and she wanted to get an ep done so she she like went uh went elsewhere to get the ep done and i'm i think i think she made a great choice i mean this it sounds exactly what i know she wanted so, um, so kudos to her and Corey for, for bringing that vision, uh, to life. I think you and Corey are like the two names that I hear most often <laughs> as far as like, oh, and I blah, blah, blah. I, I, maybe not as much probably in 2023, but in 2022, I probably heard classifieds every yeah. other artist. But yeah, for uh, 2023, I, I keep hearing Chris Kirby and Corey LaRue over and over <laughs> and over again. So, which is hilarious. Good we're, we're longtime friends, Corey and I. Uh, when That's I, awesome. When I first met Corey, this is hilarious. When I first met Corey, he was like, he was a student at NSCC and he was just kicking around um, 
doing gopher stuff at the studio when I was making Charlie Acord's record. Oh, wow. So essentially he was my like, like second or third assistant engineer. Yeah. Project. And then like maybe two years later, he was like the biggest thing going. I was like, yeah, Corey, wicked. <laughs> and that's a special note for people out there. And I'm sure all of the fans of the show are great people. So it's not really a problem, but be careful how you treat people. <laughs> Cause you don't know. You could very easily like, tear into Corey because like he knocked over a coffee or something in the studio <laughs> and then like a year later you're like damn i really shouldn't have burnt that bridge with that guy well luckily there was none of that in fact we hit it off right away so uh Perfect. You know, we were we were friends from the moment i uh, i met the guy and i'm a big fan of everything that he does and we've worked together on he's produced some stuff that i've co-written for with other people we've we've had writing sessions together we've been palling around at um we've been palling around at uh songwriting camps and stuff like that before so yeah he's uh i'm really proud of that guy no it's a it's a great time for the industry anyway i think in our region but uh it's it's great to hear i mean i want to hear everyone's name pop up at least once but it's great to hear the same names popping up over and over again because you can tell that people are doing well and starting yeah. to move forward, get a bigger audience. Yeah, That's yeah. what you, you want the name recognition from our region as well. Like not just that we have East coast music, but what East coast music has changed over the last couple of decades. So it's harder to really define what that means other than say music from that side of the country. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying to hear names popping up and now I know Chris Kirby. So when people mention the name, I'm like, yeah, I know that guy. Uh, nice. Well, it's my name doesn't, uh, I don't, maybe I'm oblivious to it, but I get, I don't feel like my name like gets, um, uh, you know, it might get you, might get you a black horse at, uh, at the ship <laughs> once in a while, but uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't feel my name is, you know, that heavy a drop, but um, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm oblivious to, to how, uh, to how nice people speak about me i don't know <laughs> and well outside of the christmas shows that you'll be performing at and the sync licensing that we were just talking about and the closer to you again single that we had mentioned and <laughs> songwriters camps that are coming up that will in the future be touring around the provinces outside of all of those things and the extra producing and co-writing that you were doing. Is there a follow-up album to come with the you have a single that's floating in between albums? Well, people are pushing. I do have songs. I you know what? I recorded two songs that was that was gonna be like, okay, I'm gonna do a single and a and a you know a B side, whatever that means these days. I'm gonna put them out and I, I had people here, I had great musicians here, and I recorded it and um before I could back it up, my hard drive crashed. Oh no. I lost it. And like I and it's crazy because I was working on a few things at the time. And the only thing that wasn't backed up was my stuff. Oh, I, no. Luckily, everybody else, like the stuff that people were paying me to do, all that stuff I rec I recovered because I had I had duplicates uh on other on other drives. But for some reason, I missed this one. Mm -hmm. and it was mine <laughs> so i took a step back but but i you know i have so the answer is i've been working on it i've, I've mm -hmm. been 
I just, you know, I just don't get much time to really focus on it because um, it's a great problem to have, but I got a lot of stuff going on. I got a lot of, I got a lot of, of projects that people are waiting on me on. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, th this was a really weird fall. Um, some not serious, but uh, health stuff, like put a, put a damper on a lot of stuff that I had going on. So I'm in one of those positions where like, okay, everything is overdue now. And like, I got to like sort of rob Peter to pay Paul in terms of scheduling to get stuff, mm -hmm. to get stuff out the door. And, you know, you got to wait a little bit longer. Sorry. Now it's your turn to wait, <laughs> but um, that's, so that's the position that I find myself in. So when I, when everybody else is taken care of, my music is, hasn't been touched. Yeah. So, yes. so something to look forward to, but we need I to free up so. some time. Yeah. No. And I've been talking to lots of people about, it like people are excited to to play um you know what new material i do have coming up so something's gonna happen i just can't tell you when i mean it took me like almost four years to make my last record uh, yeah you know i was working i did it actually did it twice um i recorded it here and then it just wasn't shaken out the way i wanted it to so i went home to newfoundland and i recorded i re-recorded it there uh -huh. uh, so that 2019 record, so I mean, that really, I think that record started in 2016 and it took me three years to finish it. Well, so. I'm going to count because the closer to you again actually came out in 21. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to count two years in. So you're doing an album within the next 24 months. Oh my God. Okay. That's, that's your new timeline. Hopefully, right. hopefully it's a 2024. Yeah, but but we'll accept a twenty twenty five album. Okay, all right. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> and where should we be directing people that want to follow you online and see how you're progressing with that and sure. what kind well, of traction you get with your Christmas? Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, well, everything. I, I, you know, I, I do have Facebook. Chris Kirby Music is is my Facebook thing. Um, pretty much the only thing that I actually post on is Instagram. And then like, you know, anything on Facebook is just a repost from Instagram. Mm -hmm. So Instagram is, uh, is Chris F and Kirby. <laughs> That's my handle. Um, and, uh, Chris Kirby online.com is my website. Uh, hasn't been updated in a while. I haven't even looked at it in a while. So maybe it's been hijacked. So everybody go there and let me know how it's doing. And your Bandcamp actually has merch listed listed on it. I, I've noticed it that does. most yeah. people do, but I've noticed the last six months or so, most people that I've been talking to that have Bandcamp pages, there's not really anything left. Like the inventory's been dwindling the last year or two. Oh yeah, I, I don't I don't push my Bandcamp very much. In fact, I forget I have it. But if you like, there's a link from my if you go to if you want to buy stuff from my website, mm -hmm. it it uh, jumps off the website to Bandcamp. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, I think that's all about me. <laughs> Perfect. So is there a song that you want to play out with to give people a taste of Chris Kirby if they are not already familiar? Sure. Let's go with them. Um, I know it is Christmas, but uh, I, we, we've talked about Close to You again a bunch. I feel like that's, you know, we're now getting to a place where we are getting close to people again. So I feel like I, I want people to hear that. Perfect. 
All right. So for anyone that's still following along at this end of the interview, uh, stay tuned and we'll play close to you again. And if you're looking for more information on Chris, look in the description below for some links or you can hit subscribe to East Coast DNA and hopefully we'll have Chris back on in the new year. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for your time, Chris. And we'll be talking soon. Thank you. Bye. Second chances